0: warning racism acts of hateful violence graphic events and other triggering imagery may be mentioned in this podcast listener discretion is advised and welcome 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 everybody my name is lawrence and you're listening you're listening to apn's waveform so i try to keep this podcast casual if not lighthearted. As you've heard, we usually focus on the more interesting aspects of APN production life, but there are some moments when our personal lives get wrapped up in our news reporting as well. Unfortunately, the rise in anti-Asian racism is one of those moments. APN has covered this despicable national development in what is now a three-part series, and this podcast episode is an extension of that coverage, Um, in that it takes a more personal look at the sentiments not just within APN, but a community in general so this week i'm joined by kathy leo and Swetha soma sundaram both of whom are quite vocal on issues like the one we are talking about today now before we start i would like to credit the organizers behind the stop asian hate arcadia event hosted by the arcadia civic youth council for forming the discussion questions that guide this conversation let's get going so usually because i am terrible at introducing people um why don't i have a uh, any one of you to start by introducing yourselves, name, grade, perhaps, and I guess what you know about this current situation, or I guess your expertise or whatever.
1: Okay. Hi, I'm Saita sama sundaram I'm a current junior at Arcadia High School. Um, in terms of like what I know about the Asian, um, the hate crimes that have occurred recently, um, not All too much because I do stay a little bit away from media just because it's a little bit hurtful at this time, but um, quite enough to vocalize the issues that we do have in our community and just speaking about what we could do to better it.
0: All right, Cassie.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Kaylin Kathy Liu and like Swetha, I am also a junior at Arcadia High School. As for the Asian violence currently going on, I would also have to echo the sentiment where I am not 100% caught up with everything in the news, but I definitely have seen those clips circulated on YouTube, on Instagram, that a lot of um, peers our age are sending out nowadays to raise awareness for um, the Stop Asian Hate movement. And I think it's just probably like, I try to stay away from media, like the said, because with um, Black Lives Matter movement in the summer and then followed by the stop Asian hate and Black Lives Matter is still going on. So personally, I just feel really disappointed in the way that um, society is kind of functioning at the moment because Mm -hmm. violence is definitely not going to solve any issues at the moment.
0: All right. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. And you just hopped right into our first segment right there. Um, uh, So I guess. Uh, how are you feeling? How are you all of you feeling, you know, given the rise in anti-Asian violence in our communities? I think we'll go to Swetha for this one. If you could unmute your mics just so we could. Mm. No worries, it's fine. Yeah,
1: I think like overall, it's kind of just, you know, frustrating. Um, it does not feel like we have a lot of hope at the moment. Um, I think like the main, main thing is politicians say they share grief, but you know, being po- powerful leaders and holding this position in society they aren't really taking that much action to actually condone and stop these hate crimes publicly and it's it's definitely very irritating um i live across a public park and it's pretty much open right now so a lot of my neighbors are asian and it's very you know i fear for their lives as well as my parents and my family in general just their lives um i haven't really kept up with the news like i said earlier um it's just you know mentally exhausting I deleted social media quite a bit of times just to stay away a little bit and come back when I feel ready to
0: I definitely have to agree on that just (laughs) uh, you know as like as a former like quiz bowl and like history bowl member I say former because I quit in junior year um, you know I can't (laughs) just I can't keep studying my life whole life can't just be studying textbooks all right there's Mm -hmm. there's a difference between like a nerd and a geek I personally identify as a geek anyway anyway let's um, let me get back to the issue here but i've just i think just looking over american history and asian culture so many times it's I, I keep seeing this whole like anti-asian thing the yellow peril the yellow fever and just these this these tropes and these stereotypes coming up over and over again and at this point i I'm exasperated. I'm pessimistic. It doesn't feel like there's much hope anymore. Um, and again, as suetha as you said, like, you know, the politicians they keep offering their oh oh, oh oh best wishes, our our hearts go out to the victims of da-da-da-da-da-da-da and stuff like that. And I'm like, but where's the action? Words are words, but if you're gonna act, act now. It's been too <laughs> long. <sighs> yeah, Kathy, you could just go ahead. Just don't worry. You don't have to unmute and unmute, just fire away.
2: Awesome. Um, Lawrence, you brought up a good, and Sueta, she brought up the point first about politicians not really doing that much. Um, If I'm going to be really blunt, I'm just completely disgusted by everything that's going on, um, especially because of the fact that so many of the clips that I've seen online is, they're attacking elderly people, which I'm just like, that is not the group of people to attack that's that's just her. Like, no matter what race they are, no matter what, it's just that's just horrific to yeah.
0: me. It's a low blow.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to the thing about politics. Um, not to undercut any of Black Life Ma- Black Life Matter, um, their movement or any of that, but I am, as an Asian myself, I am slightly disappointed by, especially with um the shootings that happened a month ago. There was just for that brief one week period there was this huge surge in let's stand by asians let's support who they are all of that and then a week later boom it was just gone and Mm -hmm. for black lives matters um it's a much bigger movement which i'm not saying that um stop asian hate should be compared to that i don't want it to be compared they're completely different movements and each of them have their own reasons that they're ongoing but i just wish that there would just be a little bit more attention to um the stop asian hate movement especially because this is stemming directly from coronavirus which is probably the biggest issue that we have on our hands at the moment
0: for sure for sure um and i think in part i think the i, I have to call it the media there even though i am we are doing this for a media group apn but I, I have to call out the media here it's more like the national media or the mainstream media which let's be frank no mm-hmm. one really likes anymore um like it's it is infuriating to see how little they cover this and how willing how willing people are to just call it a one-time thing or it's uh uh this especially the atlanta shootings where it's like oh this guy he had a i i won't repeat it word i'll try and like paraphrase it to make it more kid-friendly but he had certain urges oh these urges were driving him on like no no we know we know why he was there we know we know exactly why he targeted these people and it's because of a long-running stereotype especially against asian women and females (laughs) as well
2: which is something that i want to say that um in some of our classes we did have discussions about this and what i was really baffled about i won't name names but one of my teachers did say that they were grateful that um his urges were not for um anti-asian anti-asian sentiments which i was i was really baffled by because um Mm -hmm. what the teacher said was that um the person had a grudge against the salon itself and i was like "Uh, it's not really just by the salon itself i mean that's maybe how the media might have played it off but um as an asian myself and just by looking at the names the people he targeted i'm like it is very very clear that um Mm -hmm. maybe it was a grudge against the salon but you cannot you cannot undercut like the underlying connection between the salon and the people that work there and the people that he targeted.
0: And I, yeah. And then just, I think just the, and then the, especially as this thing goes on, we're seeing like, I think especially because when we think anti-Asian hate, it's a lot like, you know, the, they, most people think, Oh, the, the East Asian persona, the East Asian sort of thing. It's just them. But, I think, as we saw in the FedEx shooting as well, um, the our South Asian voices definitely need to be included as well in this conversation.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think like there's this stereotypical Asian sentiment that people have, and people do, you know, tend to cut away from the South Asian side um, and not really, you know, see that, you know, all these South Asians are also Asians, and we are, you know agreeing with these sentiments and we feel this and we're feeling this pain um, and these grievances. And um, I think, you know, a lot of people do push us aside, um, thinking that South Asians are not Asians and don't really, you know, deserve to be feeling this grief when I do think that, you know, we're feeling this grief a little bit more because we've been pushed aside for so long that this grief is just a lot more than we can handle at the moment.
0: definitely definitely um i think it's i think we all have to stand united even as as broad as our as you know the term asian american may be i think i think this is one of those moments where we finally as a as as like a i don't want to a racial block that that sounds really that sounds really messed up um but like as a block as a like a social block um Mm -hmm. this is finally the time that i'm starting to see that hopeful union of east asian south asian just everyone's finally getting their voices considered and we're seeing that beautiful tapestry in i get in um representation um and seeing how like all of us all three of us you know the moment we start talking about this we're like we're we're in the heat of the moment we're popping off and i just i was just wondering you know um how have y'all stayed grounded during this time and i guess what are some of the ways that you've been processing the grief and the everyday violence our communities face
2: the way that i'm going about it is that i've just been avoiding the morning news which is a lot easier now um back when we were still going to school in person um the first thing that i did every morning when um, i was my parents were driving me to school was that you'd be listening to the morning news and i remember very clearly, like, starting in, like, early middle school, maybe around sixth grade, when I really started paying attention to the news, I was just like, every morning there was something negative in the news, and I was like, this was just not the way I wanted to exactly. start my day. Um, so I've been avoiding that, which is a lot easier now. And then, I'm um, honestly, I'm a little bit guilty that, like, I'm not as well kept up with current events as I would like to, because, um, with online and everything, it's very difficult to keep up with my studies, so, the way that I'm staying grounded is more of um, during study sessions when my friends and I will talk, um, we'll finish our homework, and then along the way, we'll just like pepper each other with questions, just random conversations. And usually, especially with now, with all of these movements going on, somehow these more difficult and controversial topics um, will find their way into our own conversations.
1: And I definitely agree with Kathy on like, you yeah. know, being slightly guilty that we haven't been able to, you know, completely involve ourselves in this current events. But um, I've definitely you know, stayed away from social media, like I said a little bit earlier, um, sometimes weeks at a time just to let myself recharge a little bit. It's very, very draining um, when it comes to when all of these, you know, bad or negative thoughts come to our attention on a more frequent basis. So I tend to like turn off news notifications and just um, stay away Um, from any sort of mainstream media, just to ensure my safety and my mental health, um, just to make sure that I can get more accurate information when I'm ready to hear about it. Um, And a lot of my grief has definitely been in like anger. Um, So I've kind of taken all that energy and poured it into some of my passion projects and really focused on um, a lot of the organizations I'm involved in and really putting myself out there and focusing on what I want to do rather than, you know, grieving and like just sitting there and drowning in my, you know, Pain
0: and grief, basically. And uh, transitioning off of that, that's basically what I'm doing right now. I know it's not healthy, but like, I think just as a like a political nerd, I keep like the first thing I do in the morning is often I open up, I have Apple News on my phone. Just the first thing I do when I unlock it, I, I have this desperate urge to just click it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's draining to see all the news flood in and it's um i will say it's contributed to my senioritis as a senior mm-hmm. just i'm like i'm like you know what what's the point of it all um but you know i i still have to keep my grades up and so that's also why i keep mm-hmm. living my life um and ap's are coming up in uh, less a uh, few weeks a few days yeah, a few weeks. uh so i have to i have to keep going i keep pushing myself going hey maybe there's something at the end of the light um but as you know switha you 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 actually brought up hmm, an interesting thing passion projects um what are some of the passion projects you're doing right now i guess that's a very interesting thing yeah
1: yeah i'm actually part of like a whole bunch of different organizations on campus and off campus um on campus just you know a couple of clubs i'm part of refine your mind club which is definitely just a mental health club that was created this year um practically in light of covid Um, and has definitely been really helpful for me. I did this one presentation on mental health and the stigmas behind it, and it really helped me just you know, recharge myself and be like, hey, you know, it's okay to feel what you're feeling right now. It's, you know, it's normal, it's healthy, you know, just let yourself feel it and go through the motions. It's okay. Um, I think that was very, very helpful for me. Um, Adding on to that, I'm also part of a nonprofit organization called Wave Learning Festival, and um, they've been very, very helpful. Um, It's focused on educational inequities and helping um, other schools and organizations that, you know, just Cannot help their students in light of COVID just because they don't have the technological um, devices to do so, or they don't—they just don't have the um, manpower to help their students as much as you know Arcadia does. Um, and it has to definitely let me like see the privilege that I hold, um, and just you know be able to help my community and other communities within the United States, even internationally. Um, just you know, being there for people and. Being this person that can actually make a change in the world, and it has definitely helped my self esteem quite a bit. Um, So yeah,
0: I think that's I think that's amazing what you're doing, and especially since it's so like, you know, you're still contributing to the community, especially you know, (laughs) given all this hate, given all this you know this ugliness that's in this world, and you're contribute, you're instead you know you're outputting this positive vibe and this positive sentiment, and I think that's something that's really I think it's one of the, and I think we'll delve into that later when we're talking about how to combat Mm -hmm. prejudice, but that's, I think that's definitely something that a lot of people should definitely consider to do during this time. And I think Mm
1: -hmm.
0: we're seeing it as more volunteer organizations are sprouting up to help during the pandemic. Um, Kathy, Mm -hmm. I understand that, you know, you're in, uh, you're co-captain of badminton. So um, has badminton... Um, played a role in just sort of helping you de-stress, if it even helps you de-stress in a way, given how competitive it is. Definitely.
2: I mean, badminton is a very fast-moving sport, so once you get, like, adrenaline pumping, it just kind of, like, takes your mind off of things. Like, for badminton, it's... We play, because of the speed that the game moves, it's, like, half instinct, half thought. So you really, like, when I'm playing badminton, you really don't have much time to think about much else. So it's just those... Maybe like three, four times a week where that like block of maybe one to two hours period of time where I'm just like focusing on a game rather than let's say schoolwork, current events, other things I'm stressed about. Mm -hmm. Badminton definitely has helped and it doesn't hurt that you go and hit a bird up to like 60 kilometers per hour. It's like, (laughs) it's a very cathartic experience.
0: No, yeah, definitely. I remember when we did that um, April Fool's uh, show, it was very cathartic for us to uh for those of you who don't know and mostly for su- su- i keep Swetha, right Suetha. yes Suetha. okay i'm so sorry don't i worry, totally blanked um i think just it was very cathartic to to jump up and slam a slam a birdie down even though i missed it i missed the birdie like five thousand bajillion times um we did a like an april fool special thing on apn and we had a um I invited Kathy over to participate, and it was fun, very, very fun (laughs) anime, lots of anime references. It's cringe, but I think it's probably (laughs) the best thing I could do heading into um, April and spring break. Speaking of breaks, we're going to head to a quick break. Again, I want to thank the Arcadia Civic Youth Council for providing me the materials needed to drive this episode. Last Saturday on April 24th, the Arcadia Civic Youth Council, alongside several community members, hosted a virtual rally that featured multiple speakers discussing anti-Asian hate in America and its implications for the San Gabriel Valley. I personally attended the event, and frankly, it was very comforting to witness the united front that our community had against hateful sentiments. Furthermore, the small discussion groups that were hosted right after the speaker sessions were an emotional de-stressor as well. If you wish to view the recording of the speakers that spoke at this amazing event, check out the link in the description for this episode. All right, everyone, welcome back. Welcome back to the chapter eight of the season two of the this podcast, Thingamajig. Um, it's 9.30 p.m. this Tuesday, April 27th, and so... Uh, Let's not I'm not saying we should breeze through these this last half because this is a very important conversation. But, you know, uh, I want to make I don't want uh, Kathy and Swetha here to stay up all night because of (laughs) this podcast. Anyway, um, I think we were touching upon we were touching upon a more lighthearted note of in terms of this whole thing around anti-Asian racism and how it brings the community together. And so speaking of that togetherness, um, what does solidarity, collective care, and community support look like to you? Um,
1: I'll go ahead and get started. Um, for me, in like school, uh, especially because virtual school has definitely been very draining, um, especially the past two months have been especially draining. Um, a lot of my teachers have... Are, couple of my teachers have actually taken some time out of class, like 15 minutes, you know, we'll talk about the current events and have a conversation about like all these events and how it's draining us. And it definitely gave me a little bit of comfort and I didn't feel alone, especially with all of my classmates um, regarding the same sentiments that I had. two of my teachers have also made it a good point to let us know it's okay to take a couple extra days on assignments um definitely just being like hey you know your mental health is more important than finishing an assignment right now especially if your grades are you know not going to be so dependent on those assignments it really doesn't matter and it definitely helps um, my mental turmoil has you know decreased um nice, and it nice. really really helps um just you know assignments wise it's like not too much of this anymore um Meetings like the um, ACYC's uh, Stop Asian Hate Rally, that was very, very helpful, I think. Um, it kind of just allows the community to come together and talk about all the issues that we see and we hear, um, and it kind of just gets the opinion of a multitude of people, and we kind of just, you know, see what others want to ensure their safety, and it's kind of just like, my safety and your safety, and what can we do together, and what can we do to, you know, make that care um, really open and see what others need as well. Um, but mainly I think just, you know, talking it out with family and friends um has, you know, definitely is something that helps. I think many of us are dealing with this pain right now. Um Yeah, for sure. We all grieve differently. And I think, you know, having a group of people that can listen to you and understand your grievances, um, or a group of people that have the same grieving methods, I think that gives everyone a sense of comfort um and that's definitely you know something that i look for in support
2: yeah i'm definitely not as lucky as Swetha um my teachers have not given me homework extensions um but still they my teachers have also provided definitely open spaces for us to talk about the current events that are going on just yeah 10-15 minutes um sometimes during class if anybody has any current events they want to share any Um, checking up on us, how our weekend went, um, how the day's going, things like that. Um, To me, I feel like solidarity starts small. Um, We mentioned this in the first half of the podcast about understanding the diversity of the Asian narrative. It's not just people that potentially look like me. It's like there's so many Asians out there. There's South Asians, there's Central Asians, there's Eastern Asians. There's so many out there. And each of them come from very, very different cultures. And so I feel like I can't necessarily speak for all Asians because of that, but... Um, for me I feel like solidarity begins small by understanding how diverse our narrative is. Um, as somebody who was re- who is still being raised in a very, very traditional Chinese household, I was taught from very young age that as a girl, I should be humble, I should be quiet and know when mm-hmm. it's not Ooh, my yeah, time to um, speak.
1: That's yes, the, what you that's mean. the-
2: it is it is rough, especially when you're a Chinese girl growing up in a very American society. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like as somebody who was... I came here at the age of one and a half. So I would say that um, my American um, side of me, my Chinese side of me, like I don't have much trouble managing either side. But for some people who are, have come here later than I have, potentially when they were a bit older, that struggle is much more different. And potentially those yeah. very traditional values will outweigh the American influences. And for these people, when um anti-Asian hate comes along, it's most of them take it lying down and for them I feel like solidarity is not necessarily confrontation for them it might be a very uncomfortable process so I just feel like the first thing to do is to understand where is everything coming from rather than stepping out onto the streets and holding um large-scale rallies because potentially because these cultures are so different maybe this isn't um the way that people are comfortable with having it being dealt with.
0: Um, yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, definitely because, um, and I think that just comes down to, I guess, just sort of the formation of our communities and the develop and the history behind them. Um, like if we compare, again, not to say that they're both equal and equal in consideration, but just as just to, as a comparison, just as a comparison, and just so we understand the differences, sort of the black community has been defined by you know the legacy of uh discrimination segregation and most of all slavery and so it is a very it was i the you could say that community was born out of fire it was definitely forged yeah. in fire births from fire and there was there's more of an incentive there to definitely be proactive to stand united to raise the to raise the black the black fist of justice the black glove of justice and to really um And to really make that noise Um, as compared to the Asian community, um, most of our parents and especially. Well, I think, yeah, just the forerunners of our community came here as immigrants. And so I think the goal back then especially was assimilation to get to know your new home as best as possible, to blend in and to build a new life, because oftentimes many of them came with nothing most likely it came with Mm. nothing or very few support or at the most or you know at least just like their family super far away and they have no one to they have no support system and so the goal was survival not necessarily um not necessarily rallying around a, a revolutionary cause um but and i think when our when our parents and our um I don't want to say like ancestors. That sounds super old. Um but when our when our uh parents came here, first second generation people and they face this racism, you know, it's natural instinct to lash up, but they but they know they understand that they also have to they have to try and they don't they have to try and survive. The goal is to survive not necessarily um I guess in this case security comes before your freedoms and your rights so it's just keep your head down ignore all the noise and you push on um i I feel like now now that you know those the that generation has had children and that's us right now um we feel i think we're more grounded in a sense that in a sense that you know we're more accustomed to the American system. It's not it's not just you know, our families here, but for a while, it's that we are u s citizens and we are a part of this great nation. And so now, and so now it's more um speaking out, and now it's um now it's about like our parents have survived for us, and that's great. but and it's now time for us to finally like achieve you could guess, ach- achieve our place and to really, Stand up for our community mm-hmm. during this time, um, and I, I have to think that I have to thank Hassan Minhaj for that idea. That idea, actually, he espoused it in quite a few Patriot Act episodes and his and his special um, comedy special, Homecoming King. And I think after watching that, rewatching it, especially during these times, I think I found sort of my idea of solidarity. And it's like what Kathy said; it's it starts small. It definitely starts small, like within the family, within friends. But I think as the situation continues, we start to build these larger networks. We start attending more things like I, like Swetha, attended the ACYC Stop Asian Hate Rally. And, you know, getting that opportunity to meet others within the community and seeing that whole unifying presence, I think are the building blocks of what will become something as a as bold and as as I guess revolutionary as black lives mm-hmm. matter but in a totally different way um and to find I think to wrap that up um, finally approaching our last segment because you know we've talked about how to build community how to build solidarity and the different ways that it manifests and so finally my final question to you two is um what are action steps we can take as a community to stop this asian hate maybe not maybe not permanently because we always know there is a strain in america that has that vitriolic hate i'm not saying it defines the whole country but it's it's there unfortunately mm-hmm. it's part of our legacy and so what are some ways that we can perhaps mitigate it for the time being
1: i think um for stop asian hate and practically for any other movement for minority groups. It's just regarding each other as human beings. I mean, um, people need to start realizing that what we look like doesn't define who we are and shouldn't define who we choose to become either. Um, I think that one main reason um, a lot of, you know, these hate crimes actually start is because these people objectify people of minority groups and um, these powerful people in society are politicians or, you know, just government officials. They stay neutral, like they just don't support, but they also don't condone these acts, and it just continues happening. I think we should, um, you know, start standing up for ourselves together as this combined community, because you know, most, if not all, of our minority groups have been pitted against each other at some point um, in, histo- in history. But um, I think it just makes us powerless to allow ourselves to be competing that way. And I think we should just, you know, unite each other and stand up for ourselves together. Um, One main thing we can do to condone any sort of hate towards Asians is mainly to, you know, lobby these people in power. Um, They don't seem to be willing to do as much. um, So we kind of have to, you know, force them into giving us the privileges that they have. Um, And it's definitely very unfair. And I think it's a very difficult task, but it's one of the best chances we have at creating any sort of change because um, you know, asking a couple people around here isn't going to create as much change as asking someone super powerful to, you know, actually create some sort of change in society because they have this position that to actually um, create some sort of change.
2: Yeah, so they put it really eloquently and she touched on all the points that I also wanted to touch upon. So I'm just going to kind of go back to kind of like the running theme that we've been saying throughout this episode is understand that the asian narrative is so diverse there's so many stories for sure, out there yeah, for sure, yeah. there's yeah. so many different each group has their own struggles each group looks different and it doesn't matter how different they look because when it's come coming to co- combat any kind of prejudice it doesn't have to be stop asian hate it could be black lives matter it could be anything out there is that like we are born the way we look but the thing is like racism and prejudice are not things that we are innately born with it Mm -hmm. comes from the environment we are around it comes from like the society we live in it comes from the ideas that we choose to believe in Mm -hmm. which is not it's our own choice and if we just make these better choices that's the best way that we can combat this prejudice because in our current society these are the choices we make but what if okay Our generation we decide to make some different choices and we teach our kids in the next generation don't make the same choices that potentially like the past generation made and so maybe like it's not going to happen that quickly but somewhere down the line prejudice is always going to exist like Lauren said but depending on the choices we make eventually one day it's going to be something that i wish could be just like stuck in our history books and we'll look back on it and say like hey this is a COVID pandemic do you remember when such and such happened in years such and such and it was just like wow how the heck did they even live through that time yeah yeah
0: it's kind of like how we look upon like i guess like the great depression or like world (laughs) war ii and they're like Mm -hmm. how'd you do it how'd you do it without like like completely like collapsing on the inside
1: yeah
0: um i think um i watched it i think there's a very there's a very i think a viral like ted talk video um about a guy named daryl davis he's a black man and i think i think my idea of combating hate sort of comes from that and in it he talks about his experience as a black man and how he did how he actually i think he befriended a kkk leader and he eventually over the years he got him to quit the kkk and this kkk mm-hmm. leader he was like the national leader and he i think over just yeah. getting to know him talking with him and really getting to the root of his prejudices and just being with him one-on-one he was able to sort of like break down those walls slowly and eventually you know that that uh that man he came around and i and i've seen that happen multiple times before i saw it happened with like um there was an ex neo-nazi who did the same thing he talked he helped talk um other nazi members out of their vitriolic beliefs and i feel like that is perhaps the one way in this world that's filled with echo chambers and hyperpolarization of two sides and this super this fanaticism and i think it's just really sitting down and talking with the other side now maybe that i know it's going to be hard like it's going to be hard for me to sit down with someone who calls me like mm, I I don't want to say those words but like those like like a slur or something and mm-hmm. it, and it's hard but I think as Kathy said you know hate is not innate it is something that is taught you're not born with it you're taught it and there was um there was a, a there was a part of the movie 42 about Jackie Robinson that one yeah. the one with uh Chadwick Boseman um there's a part where uh, he comes out as Jackie Robinson and everyone's booing him because, you know, it was the the, 50, the 40s and, you know, there was hate against black people. And there was a guy who's shouting the N-word who's right next to his kid. And this kid, he looks all his kid. He admired Jackie Robinson. <laughs> and all of a sudden, his father just starts saying the N-word and the slur. And this kid looks really confused. And then for some reason, he starts he joins in on it because of all the peer pressure around him, because his dad's doing it. And so he's like, oh, I guess I have to do it now. And so it's really, I think the solution really has to be for us to just start, well, not us, but like as a a whole, we need to start sitting down with each other and say, hey, like, hey, why are you feeling this way? I guess sort of, and I know the first few conversations are gonna be absolute hell because like, (laughs) Like, do I want to sit down with a KKK member? Absolutely not. <laughs> it, absolutely not right now. No. Do I want to sit down with a racist? Absolutely not. And I think it's just... It, it's going to be a long, long drawn-out process. But I think if enough if enough people reach out to the people on the other side, and if enough, enough people take the time to um, make that... To you know cross the divide... To bridge the divide then maybe it can open up a new world of understanding a new world of tolerance now obviously me saying that i sound like a complete idiot and like a complete naive completely naive person considering um you know just especially like how hated like joe manchin is for one to say oh let's everyone sit down republicans democrats talk let's all talk and everyone's just <laughs> everyone on both sides like oh no
1: can't do that screw you <laughs> um
0: and i know he's on to a point somewhere but again it's about i think we'll ha- probably end up having those conversations later later in this development of ours
2: i think there was one thing that i saw um actually in my Push textbook <laughs> there was there was one thing from i think it was the early 1900s it was a specific speech i forgot the name of the speech but there was this one word that's really stuck out to me was invisible framework, which is kind of exactly mm-hmm. what I feel is going on in our world is that this cancel culture, these things, like where people, when people need to speak up the most, when people need to come to the table the most, it's not happening because of this invisible framework, this invisible barrier that is mm-hmm. blocking people. It's like personally as somebody who... um is not as caught up with the news as I would like to be. Sometimes I'm scared to ask like, hey, what's going on? Because I'm afraid that like, I don't know what's going on and somebody else is going to come after me and be like, how can you not know what's going on? So it's just like, I want to be part of the conversation, but how do I get in that on that conversation? And I just feel like slowly it's going to be hard um, because it could be a snowball effect in the opposite direction, but it's just really open up those conversations. Once you look back past the, um color of your skin you look past the name you look past the label you look past like per se the block is that you realize like these are people just like you or me and we have like swetha lawrence you guys all said it's like our narratives are so so different Mm -hmm.
0: and any last words that anyone wants to contribute say to our audience before we wrap
1: up um like you guys said a little bit earlier, um, this conversation doesn't just have to take place with people you know that could be strangers to us. It could take place with within our family, within you know people we know, our peers, our friends, um, anyone that you know just needs help understanding. Or um, I do know a lot of my friends and a lot of peers in my classes have talked to, to their conservative parents and been like, "Hey, why do you feel this way?" Why do you think that this is the only way people can live? Why do you think humans have to be defined by this certain way? And really questioning just their parents and their family and um, questioning you know people around them has definitely led to some changes. And I think, you know, don't be afraid to take that first step and actually just, you know, question the people around you and really, you know, try to instill this idea that we're all human. We're all, you know, the exact same person inside. We're not, you know, completely different. The only thing that changes us is physical traits, and um, nothing really past that. And I think, you know, everything else is instilled by society, like Kathy said a little bit earlier, and um, that's something that we should definitely keep in mind um, going into the future. And one more thing is that
2: COVID right now, everything economically, socially, everything online—it's a very, very difficult time. So we're not saying pressuring you to go out and do all of these things it's that if you are able to we'd love for you to join in on the conversation help us out however you can but know that change happens at an individual level and you need to mm-hmm. take care of yourself first before you can positively influence others and just the last thing that I want to just like re-emphasize over and over is that everything that you decide to say you decide to do is a choice it's not somebody else's It's not somebody else. It should not be somebody else putting words in your mouth. It's you going out to research the facts, knowing that these are people and you making your own decision, your own opinion after knowing the full picture.
0: Great note to end on, Kathy. Great note. And with that, we'll wrap it there. Um, uh, Thank you all for listening to season two, chapter eight of APN's Waveform. APN stands with the Asian American community during these trying times, and we denounce all forms of hatred against any social group, especially those that have experienced historical oppression. Please like, comment, and subscribe for more of this content. Don't forget to also watch APN's weekly shows every Friday at 1pm. This has been Lawrence. Tune in next time on APN's Waitform.